Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. In tonight's briefing, we're privileged to have John Smith Baker with us. He's an author, speaker, a founder of Fathers in the Field. His passion and focus are to help men recapture their divinely assigned roles of pastor, provider, protector in the home, as well as the church. Um, before entering full-time ministry, he served for 15 years as president and CEO of the Brunton Outdoor Group, a leading manufacturer of outdoor adventure products. And uh, in 2005, he launched Fathers in the Field Ministry to share God's love with fatherless boys through mentorship with godly men in their local church. I don't want to say too much more. I just want him to tell his story. John, welcome tonight to the World Prayer Network. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Well, tell us, you know, I, I was reading in your bio, it said that, that you did all this amazing stuff for 40 years, but then there was a marker and something happened. Give us kind of the lead in to that first 40 years and then how you came to what happened at your 40. You bet. Well, my my father abandoned my sister who was three at the time and I was in my mom's womb. And he abandoned our family to start another family. And he encouraged my dad to, uh, or he encouraged my mom to uh, kill me in the womb. And thankfully, she did not. Um, but from that point on, I knew that there was something wrong in my life, something missing as I grew. And um, didn't really know how to describe it at the time until after I was saved but I just knew something was wrong. And I tried to fill that hole, that dad sized hole in my heart with accomplishment and success. And we've, I do, I now know that 85% of these fatherless boys uh, either rebel and they show their angry, the anger and their distress by causing chaos in society or the other 15% like me, try to earn their father's affection. And, the, and his return, actually, as crazy as that sounds. And so I, I won everything, um, uh, captain, football, quarterback, business leader, CEO, made more money than I could have thought, had a beautiful family, started having children, lived where I wanted to live, did everything I wanted to do in the outdoors, hunting and fishing. But uh, I, I couldn't fill that hole. And um, my life changed completely dramatically overnight on the road to Damascus experience when I was going to uh, meet the one man who did stand up in my life, my uncle Bucky, going and we were going to go fly fishing on the Green River in Wyoming, scrambling after work, as, as us men know, trying to get out of there, driving several hours, and uh, it was around midnight or so, and just almost there at the at the place we were going to stay. But I felt this overwhelming sensation to pull my truck over the side of the road. And I got out and got on my hands and knees and 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 started begging for the Lord's forgiveness because I been illuminated that all the wretched sins in my life and that I now knew I was a wretched sinner and I begged for his forgiveness. And uh, I thought I was done. And but I heard my heavenly father say to me, no, now you need to forgive your earthly father for abandoning you. And if you understand the fatherless boy wound, this fatherhood wound, 
this abandonment wound, every father's boy tells themselves every day, multiple times a day, that they will never, ever forgive their father for leaving them. In their mind, this is the unforgivable sin. And uh, it was for me. And I didn't want to give it up, but being confronted with the Holy Spirit and God Almighty and, and seeing, seeing how much I had been forgiven, I, I relented, repented, and, and forgave my earthly father for abandoning his post as pastor, provider, and protector. And at that moment, I felt a rush in my body. I felt I knew I was born again, was a new creature, and had the Holy Spirit in me. And, and I viewed, obviously, the world completely different from that moment on. Well, that turned out to be quite a fly fishing trip, didn't it? Yes, it was. So, so what year would that have been? That was in 2002-ish, 2002. Yeah. Wow. So it's been about, it's a little over 20 years now that I've been saved. And shortly thereafter, um, I, the Lord put on my heart. I saw the words, fathers in the field on our master bedroom, our master ba- bathroom wall. Mm. And I, I, I knew the Lord was saying to, to give up the world, start a ministry, that helped rescue and heal fatherless boys called fathers Mm. of the field. And I dragged my feet for a couple of years, didn't want to give up this world and money and accomplishment, but uh, finally relented. And, and uh, I'm so thankful I did. And it's just been pure joy battling for these next generation of pastor providers and protectors. Well, what a transition out of uh, being a CEO and, having all those accolades, your company was doing great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even the state of Wyoming was really bringing accolades to you for all of what you were doing for the state. And then suddenly there's a shift. Um, what did people think about that, uh, that you were in connection with? Well, um, believers just celebrated it and non-believers were just dumbfounded how I would give up such a position and such money and and all that that goes along with it. And, uh, but I knew, uh, I knew this is what I was supposed to do. And I'll, I'll share with you a little insight that, mm-hmm. um, um, I, I married my high school sweetheart and we've been married now for 32 years. Praise God. Marriage is stronger than ever, but, um, we were not believers and she's still not a believer. And uh, so one huge prayer, if you're marking this down, is pray for my dear bride, Tracy. And uh, she has been a wonderful wife and bride and and mother to our children. Um, But when God saved me, you know, I had to go back and say, I'm a new creation. And I'd like to start taking our children to church and saying prayer over meals and nighttime. And I didn't even know what devotionals were at the time. And, and my entire life, I prayed for a peaceful home and a family. And I was afraid that this would cause great conflict in our home and our marriage. And so I sat my wife down and I told her, I said, listen, I, I'd like to do these things in prayer and praise God. She said, that's fine. And so there was not, I mean, she wasn't invested, involved in it, but she wasn't fighting it. So praise God for that. And then shortly after that, about a year later, God put on my heart to give up my life, my career, and and to start the ministry of Fathers in the Field and going that full time. So the reason I dragged my feet is I, I was afraid to tell her that. 
and because I, I, I thought it might destroy my marriage. Mm-hmm. And without a doubt, looking back, I was on the road that led to divorce because I put myself first, my desires, my needs, my wants, anything I, I was about me. So I'm so thankful the Lord saved me when he did. And I now know how to love my wife like Christ loves the church. And but I, I finally, finally, the Lord got a hold of me and I, I sat my wife down. And the way I look at it now is I put my marriage on the altar to, to take that leap of faith that I knew the Lord wanted me to do. And I, I sat her down and I said, you know, you know, I've been saved. And now I know the Lord's calling me into ministry full time. And this is what it's going to mean. I don't know what it's going to mean for us. We have to raise support and tithe. And, and we, you know, we are, will be reliant on faithful brothers and sisters to come alongside us in this ministry effort. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a very hard thing to do for me and praise God. Cause I, I definitely prayed before it. But the first things out of my wife's mouth was, I trust you. Mm. And that is what my soul, my masculine spirit needed to hear. I trust you. And from that moment on, I got busy and started writing the curriculum, started doing everything new to start a ministry and and just started getting after it. So, wow. Well, you know, those words are very important because she trusts you and the two of you are one. Right. But I'll, I'll tell you this, we trust in our God and he is always faithful. Um, and, and, you know, just give me mo- a moment here, father, by, by your strength right now, we just pray for Tracy right now. Amen. We thank you for this woman who trusts her husband. And we so trust in you that we know that your hand is even now upon her. And we bless your movement in her life. And her encounter with you, like John has had his encounter. And we thank you that as the two are one, uh, you are going to use that union and the strengths and the things that you are pouring into John. You're going to use him as that beacon of hope and light that she will see that she not only trusts you, uh, trust him now, but she will trust him as he grows in you. And, And I bless that now and her continual movement towards you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, thank you, brother. I'm I'm eternally grateful. As we know, prayer is the most special gift we can receive. So thank you. It Uh, is. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit. So you, you've, you launched fathers in the field and that was what, like 2005. Yeah. And, and so as that kind of rolled along, uh, where'd the first book come from? Well, the first book's called the great American rescue mission. And and it was it was really an encapsulation of the ministry. The ministry itself is somewhat complex because unlike so many other ministries, we are not, we are not a parachurch ministry. We do not go around the church. We love Christ church. He died for his church. So we go through the local biblical church. So we we meet with the senior pastor, get him to commit. We help him raise up a lay-led team. We help him mobilize his men. We help coach and train his men to be good mentor fathers for these fathers boys, how to interact with these single moms. 
and really how to interact with these fatherless boys. So we love the church. And the ripple effect of God's people obeying God's command mentioned more than 118 times in the Bible, the ripple effect in a church and a community and families is profound. And so the, this book, The Great American Rescue Commission, just really explains the ministry and why it is so necessary in our communities, in our nation, and, uh, and most importantly, in our families, to restore families. Our, fa- our, our nation is broken. Sadly, many churches are broken and our communities are broken because of this issue, fatherlessness. There is over 50% now in our nation, over 50%. And that doesn't even include bad fathers that are still in the home. Right. So we're a mess. And if, as a nation, if you want to look where we're headed, the, the fatherless rate in the inner city is 75%. And we know what that looks like from a culture standpoint. Mm-hmm. We is in the suburbia world and the rest is averaging around a little more than 40. So mm-hmm. the Delta is really only about 25%. And so if, if we want to know what our nation looks like, we just have to look at the inner city once it gets to 75%. So we fathers in the field is making an effort to push back against the barbarians at the gate. We're going to speak truth and life into the next generation of fatherless boys. We're going to mobilize men, God's warriors in the local church. We're going to convict and revive and restore the biblical church to the mandates of defending the cause of the fatherless, given God's greatest anger was at his children of Israel when they gave lip service to the fatherless and widows. We are approaching that time. We are, we are an indifferent, an apathetic church to this issue. All these fatherless children are in the reach of all biblical churches. And so we, it's time for us to open the church door, go out in the community. The single moms, which I call the widows of our time, are the largest unchurched people group in America now. The largest unchurched people group in America are these desperate single moms, the widows of our time. Even if they wanted to come to church, they can't. They're, they're barely surviving. They're working the service jobs on the weekends. So the church has to go to them. We have to open our doors and go out into the communities. Well, talk to us a little bit about that ripple effect. Okay, so when you go into a place and begin to interact in a church, then how does that ripple out? Can you give us a little example of that? Absolutely. Well, when we get a church involved, they raise up a man, approved, godly man in good standing, and and he gets paired, divinely paired with the father's boy. So we're jumping ahead. Once that happens, What happens is now you interact with the largest unchurched people group in America, single moms. You you interact with their family, their siblings, their extended families. You interact with your entire church body because now you have a fatherless boy coming to your church that you haven't had before. These fatherless children aren't in your church. Very, 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 very few are, if at all. So you have a fatherless boy coming to your church now. And you have a decision as a church. How are you going to react? Are the, are the women of the church going to reach out to this desperate single mom and the girl siblings? Are we going to pray for the single mom? And part of the ministry is the mentor father and the field buddy, the father's boy, we call them field buddies and mentor fathers. Part of their commitment in this forgiveness journey, mentoring uh, journey 
is that they do a monthly service project to the needy and the elderly in their community. And so now you have all these men and boys knocking on the diaconate's doors, the deacon's doors saying, we want service projects. So now you get to part of the ripple effect is engage all these deacons. Mm -hmm. the, all, they're going to be swamped with all these service projects locally. The widows of our time these, and these other single moms. And then you have the pastor who gets to now give sermons on the fatherless issue. When's the last time, honestly, in your church, have you heard a pastor give a sermon on the fatherless issue? And, the, and the, it being the number one societal issue in our nation, in the church, in our own communities, why aren't we talking about this more often? Mm. So the ripple effect, once a church is, gets convicted and starts doing this, is profound. And then you get to see the ripple effect in the non-believer community. You get to see the coaches. You get to see the counselors. You get to see the teachers. They say, what has happened in this boy's life? There's been a profound impact on him. So you get to share the gospel with them because they're asking, what happened? Who is changing this hurting, fallous boy? So wow. it's just, I could go on and on, but it's profound. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, as I'm sure... Is the truth it works in a small church as well as a large church? Yeah, great question. What's so wonderful when you listen to a biblical, when you follow a biblical mandate from God, it's scalable. So yeah. we have churches doing one and we have churches doing 50 men and, and field buddies. So it's scalable given the size of your church. That's powerful. That's yeah. powerful. Okay, so we, we've rolled through the first book. Now talk to us about man enough to forgive. How did that come about? Yeah, well, you know, the Ministry of Fathers in the Field intentionally goes after fatherless boys, which we know from God's word, they're the future pastor providers and protectors of truth, of the innocent, all that, of families, all that. And Satan knows what he's doing. He's destroying, there are 25, 25 million fathers children in our, in our nation and a million new fathers' children every year. So Satan knows what he's doing. He's, he's, he's attacking now not just the men, but also the next generation of men. And the tsunami is on its way. So the great impact we're having around the nation via fathers in the field, the pastors are approaching, started approaching me and say, listen, I see the great work you're doing and the impact on these boys' lives. You're healing souls through the power of Christ, obviously, in their life. We have a whole generation of men in our church that were fatherless boys, but are now walking wounded men. How do we help them? John, our church is being overrun with the symptoms of fatherlessness in our church by these men and, and even women, but particularly we deal with men, that you have addiction, alcoholicism, pornography, um, drug addiction, um, you have divorce, you have anger issues, you have depression, you have suicide, the list goes on. The church knows it's being overrun by this issue, overrun. So the pastor started approaching me, said, we need something for the men. And the Lord brought to me the, the book, Man Enough to Forgive. And what I did is I translated the curriculum that we're using in these boys' life and spoke to men in men's language 
straightforward, to the point, short sentences for us stubborn men to get through our head, repeated many times so we get it, but it basically broken down into a four-part study that men can do at their church or they can do individually, and it's called Man Enough to Forgive, because we directly confront the issue that unforgiveness is a sin. Unforgiveness is a sin. And these men have made the lie to themselves that they have moved on. Moving on is not forgiveness. Right. I am fine is not forgiveness. True biblical forgiveness is where healing's at. And these men can then be healed like these boys and be the man God intended them to be through the victory of Jesus Christ on that cross. So the first step is confronting that unforgiveness is sin. And we talk in the book about what biblical forgiveness is. How do you know if you've truly forgiven somebody? Mm -hmm. And then most importantly, we also talk about forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation, an important concept that people need to know, because a lot of times that's an excuse that's given. And they say, are you saying I need to have a relationship with my abuser, my my violator, my 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 jerk of a dad? No. Reconciliation and forgiveness are two different biblical concepts. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. forgiveness is such a powerful thing, you know, because if you don't forgive, even though you've buried it or tried to move on, you're still carrying the weight of that. It's like yeah. you're still you're still that's an open wound that never goes away because you're carrying it still and to release them from your judgments and, and get the forgiveness. There is a powerful thing. Amen. And so I get asked this question. Well, because this book is written to believers, even though we share the gospel, because maybe somebody's not a true believer and, and this unforgiveness is preventing them to truly, you know, repent of their sins and receive Christ as their savior. But fundamentally we're talking to believers. So believers say, well, it, if I'm already a believer, what's the problem of unforgiveness? And it's huge. If you read your, if you read God's word, you grieve the Holy Spirit because it's sin. In fact, when you, when you have unconfessed, unrepented sin and you grieve the Holy Spirit, God makes it known that his face is turned from you, from you and you're, he's probably not even listening to your prayers. So all these years you're praying to, to God Almighty and He may not even be listening to your prayers because you have this unconfessed sin of unforgiveness in your life. So all these men are really on the sidelines. And what we're trying to do is, no, get back in the kingdom battle. Forgive your earthly father. It's not the unforgivable sin. Get back on the playing field of the kingdom. Let's let's attack the gate because the barbarians are at the gate. Make no mistake about it. Mm. We need more godly men, more pastor providers and protectors in this kingdom fight. And don't let the devil steal your your fight because of past shames or your, your experience growing up with a broken family. God redeems that all. God can redeem you. You You're not a mistake. You were born for a glorious purpose. And through the power of Christ, men, listen to me, through the power of Christ, there is victory on the cross. You can be the man God intended you to be. Man, that's good. Man, they need to get in the game, right? Yes. Sidelines. Exactly. Stop living on the sidelines. It's And it's more fun to be in the game. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's exciting. Listen, when you're in a game, you get to, because when you have no, 
listen, we all still sin and we need to repent. Right. We sin less for sure. But the closer we grow to Christ, the more sin gets exposed in our life. It's a constant battle until we're glorified when we get home. Mm-hmm. So I tell these men, get in the game. Don't live in the past and know. Listen, when you know you have not, you have no unconfessed sin in your life, that is where the joy that surpasses all understanding begins. Because you know you're in God's will. You stand there as a saved soul with no unconfessed sin in your life. Not that we don't struggle with sin, but you stand there with no unconfessed sin in your life. So you have complete, whole fellowship with your heavenly father. And the Holy Spirit can do mighty things for you when you do not have broken fellowship with God Almighty. That's so good. That is so good. Okay, so it, out, after the book or after they conclude the book, you encourage them to uh, to write a letter of forgiveness yes. at the end of it. Uh, oh, and that's also, uh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. you got yeah. a study guide with this book too, right? What's that? You've got a study guide with the book. Oh too. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I mean, I'll hold it up if people are looking. Yeah. But this is the book, "Man Enough to Forgive." This is the study guide. It's a four-part series because it takes time to process this father wound. Yeah, it takes time, and it takes prayer. But yes, here's the deal. People ask, "How do you know you've forgiven what you believe is the unforgiven sin in your life?" How do you know? And I'll tell you how you know. The Bible gives us the answer. You, you put it in writing. Mm. You put it in writing. Writing has an important concept in God's word. Just like he wrote the Ten Commandments. Just like he wrote on the wall. He, he, writing makes it very serious. So if you're willing to write your forgiveness Share that forgiveness in writing so it's a public official document to your violator. That's how you know. And you share it with your loved one, your pastor, your parent, your sister, your sibling, somebody. So it is real. Listen, the soul will not want to do that if it's not real. I wrote one. We give an example in the book and the study guide. It is a real deal. The second point. And I hear a lot of people say, I don't need to write one. I don't need to write one. It is my belief you have not truly, truly biblically forgiven. The second point is we're called to pray for the salvation of our enemies. Mm. And if you are not praying actively for your father's salvation, even though he abandoned you and threw you out like garbage, you have not truly forgiven him. We're well, supposed to pray for our enemies. Yeah, that's a process for some people. You know, they have a hard time getting through that little, that little pathway. Don't Amen. They? Well, Amen. tell me this: are those four those four sections? Are they um, are they the same four sections as the compass that you use? Pretty much, yes. We use the we use the the, the fatherless compass. N for never fatherless. East for eternal home. West for wisdom of the father and. S South is saved by the sun. And it's just something God put on my brain when I started out. And it's how we talk to these men and boys. And we put the curriculum around this issue because those four points are key. Those Mm. four points are key. I mean, listen, when, when we talk about the forgiveness letter to men 
as well as these boys, we don't make them write one. What we do is say, you will write one once you truly forgive. But right. we talk about the components of a forgiveness letter. And I have to tell you, the hardest part of writing a forgiveness letter is what do you call your dad? Oh, the right. opening. Do you call him dear jerk, dear abandoner, dear sinner, dear SOB? Listen, right. this is an important point, and we address this. It's so important. And we so we talk about these to these boys and to these men that, listen, you can call them whatever you want, but you need to write the letter. You have been forgiven, unearned, unmerited, undeserved forgiveness. And we cannot withhold that from others. It doesn't make what he did was right. It's not excusing it. It has nothing to do with them asking forgiveness. We don't, we don't ask the father. We don't give up forgiveness to our violators because we want something in return. Right. We don't want their apologies. We don't want their relationship. We don't want their acknowledgement. We don't want a public apology. If there's anything that you think you are expecting for doing this, you're not on the right track. So we get to talk about all this in a true biblical forgiveness format. Listen, I totally get it. It's hard. But men, stop making an excuse because it's hard. Hard typically means it's right. So stop <laughs> saying it's hard. Goodness gracious. Let's be men of courage. Let's be men of God. Let's do what God asks us to do. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. In this scripture, it makes it very poignant scriptures in Mark and Matthew and other places. If you do not forgive, your heavenly father will not forgive you. Yeah. Th those are un unambiguous terms. There's those consequences for unforgiveness. And I get it. Our flesh rebels at this concept. It rebels at this concept. It does not want. You don't understand. Frankly, I probably don't. But I can tell you who does, God right. Almighty, and He's the one that gave us that command. Man, and you know it—it it doesn't get any. Truthfully, it doesn't get any easier to ask forgiveness, <laughs> whether you're in the kingdom or not in the kingdom. It—it's—it's it's a process. You know, I was talking to my wife uh, just this last week. Uh, you know about the whole seventy times seven thing. Yes. That that letter of forgiveness is just step one because there may be other times where the you get triggered and something comes up and it's like you've got to you've got to say I forgive you again, uh, and and keep coming through that process. Yeah, you know I believe true biblical forgiveness is a one time event. Yes, I think what you're describing and I I deal with this too. You know unforgiveness is a festering festering pussy soul wound deep down inside you. When you true, have true biblical forgiveness, I believe that wound is healed, yes. but there's still a scar. There's still scar tissue. And that scar tissue you will bump into now and then. Yep. But that's different than having a festering wound that controls your life. And you will never start getting your emotions under control. Mm. Once you forgive, that scar tissue does heal. You will bump into it. And it will hurt now and then. But your, your addiction to that wound goes away. Your emotional identity to that wound goes away. And you can start living in God's victory. And, and your, your identity in that wound starts to dissipating.
because you're dying to yourself by giving up the what you thought was the unforgivable sin and you're becoming more like Christ because now you're back in the game. God will start transforming you and your mind, your heart, your soul when you're when you're back in the game. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. And you know, over uh over a little bit of time that scar is less sensitive. Yes. And eventually it's actually a, a trophy of the grace of God in your life. Amen. Listen, none of us get through this life. We live in a broken cruel world with a cruel adversary attacking us every day we are gonna listen if you're in the kingdom fight you're gonna have all kinds of scars on your body right. but praise god praise god praise god that's right there's scars paul, paul talked about those yeah there's scars yeah use them for his glory yes not to be a victim but be a victor in christ come on that's really good john Okay, so the obvious question that all of the women that are on <laughs> this broadcast yes. are asking, well, if man enough to forgive is for women primarily, I mean, for men primarily, uh, can a woman learn from reading the book? Yes, if she doesn't put it down because, well, all this masculine language and masculine talk, I, I don't like it. You know what I mean? It's not nurturing. It's not a soft sell. It is straight to the point with men who are very stubborn, have thick skulls, need to be told th the same thing different ways multiple times. So it's written in those terms for stubborn men who don't want to say, I don't have it all figured out. Right. So if they're willing to put up with that, absolutely. You know, absolutely. your voice changed. Your voice changed when you started talking about like a woman. That's awesome. Yeah. Listen, I, I mean, I, I know this is unpopular in today's crazy world. Men and women are different. Yep. Men and women are different. God made them different, loves them equally. I have to say that so I don't get a bunch of emails, but he made them differently. Absolutely. And we need to talk to them differently. Men talk differently when it's just us men. Yep. And to pretend we don't is just really a fib. Yeah, but forgiveness is for everyone. Every listen, I I grew up with an older sister that took the other route, angry, rebelled, mm -hmm. chaos. My poor sister, praise God, God redeemed her too. But she is going through this forgiveness issue right now. She has told me for two years she's writing a forgiveness letter to my dad, Jack. And I said, What is taking so long? I can guarantee you, this is the truth. When the Holy Spirit, and this is part of the wrestling match with the Lord that she's doing, but when the Holy Spirit convicts you of the need to forgive and you repent of that unforgiveness that in your soul, which is a sin, your forgiveness letter will take 15 minutes. Yep. You don't have to bring up the junk. You don't have to bring up the past. It's forgiven. You, you let them know they're forgiven and that they need to be forgiven too. It is not hard once you're fully convicted by God Almighty and the Holy Spirit of your need to extend unmerited, unearned, undeserved, unasked for, 
unapologized for the list is long forgiveness, just like Christ did for us. And this issue of salvational forgiveness is a different concept than what believers are called to do. Believers are called to forgive, just like Christ's example on the cross when they were murdering him, crucifying. He asked the Lord Almighty to forgive them. That is our example. That is our example. That is great, John. That is great. It, um, any other insights you want us to have regarding uh, the ministry? You want to talk a little bit more about that? You bet. Well, just one thing so I don't lose it in my mind. I'm not talking about reconciliation. That's a completely different topic that would take just a, a long, it takes, a, it's an entirely different book. Hear me, men. Hear me, women. We're not talking about reconciliation. We're talking about forgiveness that your that your king, your savior commands you to do. And if you don't, it is sin. But the ministry of fathers in the field, it is a profound ministry because it goes through the local church. These boys get to hear a man make a three-year commitment into their life, not for lunch, not for one fan, fun activity. No, these men get to look a false boy in the eye and say, listen, it's me and you. We're going to do this forgiveness journey together for three years. And the three years are broken down into one-year terms. So they can see a man. We It's called a celebration event. It's basically a covenant. They get to see a man put into writing his, his promise, his vow to mentor him and complete this year together. And there's a start and finish. That's when the healing journey begins, when they see a man put in writing. Because I have to tell you, every father's boy, no matter if it's a godly Christian man starting out, they believe these men are liars. These men will not fulfill their commitment. When a man breaks his vow, a commitment, that's where the wound happens. Mm -hmm. That's the ha that's what that's the issue. God makes it very clear. Our yes is to be yes and our no is to be no. He takes vows very seriously. So listen, these fathers boys get, feel, are abandoned seven times before they're 18 years old. Oh. Seven times. Their dad abandons them. And if they're young, maybe, maybe there's a remarriage. Second marriages with children have a 76% divorce rate mm. because it is a chaotic situation bringing all these children and, and this second marriage together. Praise God for the 25. Yes. But would you get on a plane that had a 75% chance of crashing? Listen, so these boys end up going through another divorce, 75% of them. They've had boyfriends come and live in the mom's home when they're young and they call them dad. And then the boyfriend leaves. Or you had grandpa come alongside them and made a great effort. But because of his age, the Lord took him home. These boys get experience abandonment on average, typically about seven times before they're 18. Wow. They, they could care less what a man has to say. So part of our coaching and training within the church is your job is not to give them good manners. Your job is not to have them get good grades. They're, your job is not to have them behave in school. They're mad. They're angry. And they have a right to be. That's one of the first things we get to tell these men. 
Tell these boys they should be angry. Darn it all. You know, they told me my whole life, big boys don't cry. You don't need a dad. You'll get over it. And it's a lie from the pit of hell, even though it's well-meaning. What these boys need to hear, hear, mm -hmm. is what your dad did was wrong, mattered, will matter greatly in your life. But through the power of Christ, you can yes. be the man God intended you to be. There's victory on that cross. But these boys don't even hear what these mentor fathers say for the first year, typically. Mm. When you make a commitment to pick him up, to bring him to Sunday, Sunday school and church, his heart leaps for joy when you show up. My dad promised me many times to come pick me up. And I stood looking out the window and he never showed. These boys don't even believe you're going to show up. So you just need to show up, live up to your commitment. And in the second and third year, that's when you start connecting, building that caring relationship where you can speak life and truth into this boy. What we say at Fathers in the Field is we translate the gospel, just like you do if you go to Africa. We translate this gospel into a fatherless boy language so they can hear it. So they can hear it. That's good. That's really good, John. And yeah. I am so I am so glad that you're rolling all this out tonight. Um, yeah. I didn't know anything about your book, but I'm going to get it. Now, here's the next question. How can everyone find the information or purchase their own copy of Man Enough to Forgive? Yeah, either at the Fathers in the Field website, you kind of have to look for it a little bit, or you can go directly to Man Enough to Forgive website, Man Enough to Forgive, and you can order it there. That's awesome. And uh, can I'm, so I'm telling you, it is, I'm not saying this, this is 60 years of fatherless wisdom, how to deal with this. I'm 60 years old now, been saved for 20 years, experienced the fatherless journey for 40. Mm. This will help you with the help of the Holy Spirit, deal with the issue that you think is unforgivable, unrepairable, unhealable. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You can be the man God intended you to be. Amen. We, yeah. I agree with that, John. Okay, so it's manenoughtoforgive.com. Correct. Or you can go to fathersinthefield.com, right? And get Correct. it the way there. Amen. If you want to get your church started, there's ways to do that on the, on the, on the site, Enroll My Church. Again, we go through the local biblical church. And the first step really is to get an hour meeting with your senior pastor. We got hit. We have to get him to commit to be an advocate for the fathers from the pulpit before yeah. he mobilizes and leads his men. Wow. Well, this yeah. is this is powerful, John. And I, I, I appreciate your candidness tonight yeah. and uh, everything you've released. Um, let me do this. I'd like for I'd like to pray for you before we get off. Um, and before we move on to some additional prayer time for fathers and those that don't have fathers, but uh, let, let's just pray for a moment here. Father, right now, we want to thank you for the vision, the love, the insight that you have given to John. We are so grateful for what he has released uh, into the atmosphere tonight, literally Amen. him releasing on this, uh, this broadcast 
is is multiplying the influence that you want to release in the earth and and we just we just bless him tonight we we bless his marriage we we bless the team that's around him the ministry uh we're, we're just we're calling them all into this new place uh this truly is a a threshold time where we're crossing from one place over to another. And tonight I'm just declaring over John and, and Tracy right now, they're crossing over to a new place Amen. and a new day. And we thank you for your, your, your blessing upon them. You, you have blessed their marriage thus far, but now we're calling them into to the, to the next part of their marriage, which will be even more blessed oh. than ever before, because your hand is going to rest on them and bring them to the new place. Thank you, God, for this book and man enough to forgive that will enable others to come to a place of forgiveness. We bless that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for your kingdom work. And it takes us all, brothers and sisters in Christ, to charge that hill for Christ. Let's go behind enemy lines. Let's rescue the precious lost souls that are held captive. Let's go get them. Amen. Let's get in the game, right? Yeah, man. That's Thank right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.